0: Hey everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 12th of February, 2023. And on today's show, where are the winds of conference realignment blowing? Is the Big 12 in the the driver's seat right now as it compares to them and the Pac-12? Also, a look back at Big 12 basketball from this weekend. Five games took place, and it looks like now we have a clear top three when it comes to the race for the Big 12 championship coming down in the last few weeks Of the season. So we'll have some thoughts on that big show coming your all's way. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today's show brought to you all by the folks at LinkedIn. If you are looking for a job, LinkedIn. If you are trying to find some folks to hire for your job, LinkedIn. Is a great place to go. New background today. Uh, I have just finished moving into my apartment in Little Rock, Arkansas, my new job, which starts tomorrow morning uh, at 5 a.m. So, fired up to uh, get going with a new position in radio. Obviously, the show will keep going on, as I mentioned, but a few things. I'm in a new space. I think I want to move the flag. Got to figure out where to move the flag just so my head's not blocking it. Uh, but it's nice to be at the Big 12 here over my right shoulder. Um, I'm in a corner kind of, but I'm in a more open space to let me know how the sound sounds. And also there's a fridge about five to seven feet to my right that does make some noises. But let me know if you guys can hear it or not. If you guys can, I'll do something about it. If not, we'll leave it the way it is. But sometimes I can't hear it even when I go back and do editing and whatnot. So let me know. Um, make sure you guys find us on Twitter at lo big 12 You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, so let's dive into some things here as it comes to conference realignment. So the last time I recorded was on Wednesday or Thursday night with Chris Gordy. I was in a Nashville hotel on my way to Little Rock, and I was, you know, hunched over a little table with my Yeti mic. That's not the normal mic that I use, you know, reacting live to the news of Texas and Oklahoma on the way out to the SEC. And Chris gave us the SEC angle, and I gave the Big Twelve angle. You know, more, you know, Chris is more about the excitement of getting them in early. I think Big Twelve was more about the kind of the process of getting them out and kind of the moving on. Um, and I've just had some more time to think about what happened and kind of what it means moving forward. And obviously, losing Texas and Oklahoma was was a massive blow to the Big Twelve. But this was the way college sports is trending, right? This is the way things are going. USC and UCLA bolted for the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, you know, Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. And those two conferences, you know, are really, you know, putting themselves head and shoulders in terms of money ahead of everybody else. The SEC in terms of performance when it comes to uh, football, I would say men's football. but When it comes to football, the SEC is clearly ahead of everybody else. Right, and that's where kind of the number one thing is. The, the, the Big Ten is making so much money because of the brands. When you've got, you know, a uh, Ohio State and a Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State and Nebraska, when you've got all of these brands together, I know Nebraska's not good, but their, their games you know still draw pretty well and as does, you know, teams like Wisconsin and whatnot. Um, when you've got all those really strong brands, you know, you're going to be a pretty sought-after television product, and, and, and they are. Um, but in terms of performance, you know, the, the the Big Ten's only won one Nash championship here in the CFP era, and that one is owned by the Ohio State Buckeyes, which I find to be very fascinating. Uh, they really have not had a ton of success. Big 12 has not won one. ACC's got two between FSU, who's, you know, fallen off, now kind of back on the way up, and Clemson is kind of in a figuring things out phase right now for them. Pac-12 has not won any, and obviously the Big, the Big 12 has not won one, and those two leagues separating themselves. But, you know, when those schools left and now you're left in this spot, the Big 12 has really, I think, done everything right from that point forward. And kind of what it means, you know, to be a conference that's not those two top conferences in, uh, in the 2020s. Right. And and beyond and in the CFP era, because they made, you know, they, they knew it was time to change. Right. They knew it was time to have Bob Bowles be out the door. Uh, they went for the right kind of a hire in a Brett Yormark, somebody who is not from Big 12 country, right? Somebody who is a, you know, good with the X's and O's in terms of financials and deal making and doing business and somebody who is forward thinking about being younger, hipper and cooler, right? And then, you know, to back to Bullsby, they, they did a good job of circling the wagons and doing what they needed to do when it comes to uh, acquiring new schools to come join the league with UCF, with BYU, with Houston and Cincinnati, right? Since he was red hot, UCF's in Florida, and they're, you know, they've been hot as of late. BYU, obviously a large following. And also Houston is a brand in a, you know, in the Big 12 footprint um, that kind of, you know, veers into the SEC footprint. And it's also in the fourth largest city in America, right? So you're circling the wagons very, very well. I give Bob Bowlesby a lot of credit for making those things happen. And so those were the right steps that they took at, at that moment, right? And you're feeling pretty good. Then the next thing is a television contract. And they jumped ahead of the Pac 12 and got their TV contract done and ESPN and Fox, the partners. Then it came down next to this situation with Oklahoma and Texas. And how do we get them out? What's the right timing for getting them out? And how do you, how do you, make sure that dance is done well because guys, this isn't as simple as just cutting the check and moving on while the big 12 had a deal done in place, Fox, who is a television partner for both the big 12, uh, or, you know, you know, in, in, I guess, accordance with ESPN and Fox, right. And they've got two TV partners. And so making sure that you don't step on anybody's toes and upset your future and current television partners is massive. And so it sounds like they were able to, um, I guess stay out of the way enough, get the money that's coming to them right. Eighty million of that hundred million that OU in Texas are paying is going to be heading towards the Big Twelve. I'm not sure if it's a perfect offset, but look, that's at least ten million a piece to the uh, the remaining eight legacy schools, and that will help them as they help supplement the new schools that are coming in and not getting their full share just yet. So all of this is kind of working together. Fox is happy, ESPN is happy, the Big 12 is happy because the Legacy 8 are happy and the new four schools joining are happy. And now now what the Big 12 can do is fully turn their attention towards more expansion. If you think about what Brett Yormark's kind of job was the last little while, he was, I mean, the OU Texas thing was red hot. That, that was really the big thing pressing and knocking on the door. And it's difficult to manage a situation like expansion and getting OU in Texas out and getting the right price and not upsetting everybody at the same time. And it seems like they've cleared that. And now they can fully focus on the expansion piece because the Pac-12 does not have a TV deal. We know they're targeting SMU. We know they're targeting San Diego State. We're not sure when that's happening. But we also know that Pac-12 officials, and including you know one athletic director spoke, and this sounds like it was Arizona State, it sounds like, um, you know, they are not pleased with the fact that, look, we're not going to get anywhere near what was promised to us. Uh, you know, we, we had a pretty high bar that was set by PAC-12 commissioner George Kliavkov, and we're not going to meet that benchmark. And I think that with that knowledge, Brett Yormark is reading that and he's rubbing his hands together and he's saying, all right, let's get to work. Let's Let's see what we can do. Now, I know this for sure. Brett Yormark is willing to take risks and his risk taking is only going to go as far as the athletic directors in the conference allow it to, right? They, you know, I guess the the board, if you will, like they have to sign off and approve on all of these things. But I will say this. I think Brett Yormark has been pretty, pretty convincing um, in his arguments. And I think that, you know, from hearing like athletic directors like Gene Taylor and Jamie Pollard and Kirby Hocutt, and Jeremiah Donati, hearing those guys speak, what it sounds like is they really, really respect the, the approach that your mark is taking with floating ideas, whether it be the Gonzaga thing. Because like I, I think there was a lot of resistance to Gonzaga joining as a just basketball member, just because they don't see the financial impact. I think Brett, your mark more big picture is saying, we're willing to do whatever to make the profile of the conference increase and grow. And also I think you have to mention too, as the NCAA tournament expands to 96 teams, there's more money to be had, uh, you know, as the tournament grows in terms of popularity, you know, it's massively popular always, but like, as it grows more viewership, more eyes, it will be, you know, uh, more money as, as, as there is for every single win in a tournament. And so having a team like Gonzaga definitely bolsters you in that respect. And look, every AD might not love that, which is fine. Completely fine. If not every athletic director in the Big 12 conference is happy-go-lucky, I will sign off on this. Yes, please. Yes, please. I don't want that. I don't think any of us should want that. We should want uh, fierce debate and conversation, respectful, fierce, but respectful and vigorous debate in those rooms about what is the best future for this league. And I think um, having kind of old guard Older guard. I guess I guess when I say old guard, I mean like people who work in college athletics, right? Like we're not hiring an AD here in Brett Yormark to be the conference commissioner. He's a businessman. So having those things mesh together, his aggression, and maybe some of the not conservative nature, but um knowing how the business works from the ADs is making for this really powerful tandem right now. And I think they're going to take that approach. Once again, as I said a couple minutes ago, this only goes as far as, as as the ADs will let him. But it seems like the ADs are checking things off. And now I think your mark, his job is to get everybody in the room or at least a majority of everybody in the room on board with attacking schools like ASU attacking schools like Arizona, because we know Arizona wanted to before we know, I, I mean, a pretty good authority. Arizona really did like the idea of joining the big 12, but they want to be paired up with ASU rightfully so. And eh, there was some trepidation from ASU. Well, now we know ASU is upset. So let's see what happens on the, on the Arizona side. Can we get those two in tandem together? And, you know, I think so many times, the the especially in like technology, I think the word disruptor. Right? You know, we're a big disruptor in the space, but if the Big Twelve disrupts the Pac Twelve, you know, if they go, like if they're able to take four teams, the, the league's at six teams and it's over for them. If they add two more and go to twelve, San Diego State and SMU. Well, if you take the two Arizona schools, eh, it's not a good look for the Pac Twelve, even if they're still at ten. It's still not a good look for them if you poach two or if you poach four. It's it's basically ball game, unless the Pac 12, I mean, well, it's ball game for the Pac 12 as a power five league. They could go and they could add Fresno and Boise and SMU and San Diego State University if they want to. That's a 12 team league that is going to get, you know, decent brands, but like that's pretty watered down, right? You've got Oregon and Washington up top, which I've maintained are two excellent brands. But, you know, that would be, uh, as I mentioned before, incredibly disruptive for the Pac-12 was trying to do. And if I'm Brett Yormark now, that is what my target is. The SEC is going to 16 teams. The Big 12 is about to be at 12. So there's plenty of room to add more schools, plenty of room to add more schools. And look, I know some of you all out there have, have talked about why aren't they targeting USF and why aren't they targeting Tulane and why aren't they targeting SMU? Why, no, but here's the thing, guys, you have to do it in a way that makes financial sense. Once again, I've circled back to this, but ESPN has said that they will pay their share of a payout You know, if they add another P- P5 team, right? So once again, if ESPN owns 66% of the contract, they're paying out $25 million a team. They've said that if you add Arizona, they'll pay $25 million. Now, let's just say Fox's share is, and I'm making these numbers up, $10 million. They have not agreed to do that for every P5 team, but I think the Big 12 has been negotiating in very good faith with them. And so I think because the maintenance of that relationship, you could get them on board with maybe a figure closer to seven or eight and maybe use some of this money here to offset things. Also, what you are then targeting down the line is um, the Big 12 is really the – well, let's put it like this. The ACC's TV contract not up for a long time, right? So we're talking about conferences where the TV contracts are going to come up in the next decade, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big 10 – the SEC, right? Well, the SEC will get their deal. The Big Ten will come up. But if the Pac 12 is struggling and you pick off some of their teams, then it's really those three. Those three are the ones that are going to be going to market more often. Now, once that TV contract expires, the ACC in 2036 or whatever is 35, you're good. But also, the Big 12 just it hit the market once and it's going to hit the market again. And I wouldn't be surprised, folks, if it's like a five year deal that they sign, they could beat the ACC to the punch for a third time if they wanted to in the next 10 to 15 years. This is all possible. And, you know, you could really shorten that conversation up. I mean, it's going to be four, you know, in 15 years, it's going to be four conferences, maybe even five. The Pac 12 hangs around. We're talking major college football here. The Big 12's got a chance in one of those conferences. And so maybe it's not about, how much money you're making for the school in the moment? Now, the one issue with that is trying to convince athletic directors who have budgets to maintain, who are trying to grow, uh, you know, facilities, trying to enhance and enrich the student athlete experience. And when I say that, guys, I'm really talking about you know making that appealing to recruits, right? Like you have to make the on-campus experience of being a K-State Wildcat a good one. And if you give up some money, adding ASU or uh, Arizona, I mean, especially if you were to add, you know, SMU at a discounted price, I know it'd be a discounted price, but still if you're helping offset some of that stuff. Then you are losing some money, maybe the chance to make it a really awesome uh, experience, uh, you know, or, or a c- recruiting advantage. You might be losing that. So that's what athletic directors are trying to manage. But I think Brett, your Mark's goal is look like maybe adding Arizona, Arizona state, Utah, and Colorado does not guarantee us does not guarantee us uh, the ability, you know, to make more money in the short term. Sure. But when we come to market next time and the Pac-12 comes to market next time, do number one, do we think, uh, do we think Oregon and Washington are still in the Pac-12? It's like 18 league or 16 league and they're playing against Fresno and Boise. I don't think so. I, I think there's a better chance they would come and join like the ACC, the Big 10, or even the Big 12. And so you have to say, like, we have a chance to become one of the big dogs. We have a chance to make it a power four, right? And I think as streamers get more involved in the conversation, the um, the ownership of a power four league is gonna be is gonna be uh, something that's exciting. Like, we don't know what the streaming space is gonna look like. The Pac-12 was getting in on, on a weird time where it's happening. But it's not enough homes where it's worthwhile for visibility, right? And it's not going to be worthwhile financially. Like Amazon is not going to overpay for the Pac-12 to where to the point where it offsets the the loss of viewership, right? Well, you know, if we're going to make fifty million dollars per school per year in television revenue, and not even counting the CFP, then I'll take less visibility from Amazon because Amazon's so desperate to get in on the television act, on the college football act. That's not the case, right? But who knows what that will look like down the line. And even if it's not the case, you still have the major players, ESPN and Fox, who have shown interest right now in the competition and what the league has to offer to filling out their TV rosters. There's still plenty of people. There's still plenty of plenty available. And the Big 12 pulled some very, very good numbers this year. They had a team in the college football playoff this year. They had a team go to the national championship this year. That was not Texas, not Oklahoma. And also uh, out of the remaining schools, five seven remaining schools have been in the big 12 championship game the last three seasons, the competition, that fun, that quality product is on the air. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, obviously basketball, which is still a big part. 20% speaks for itself, right? So there is this dance going on. And I think the reason why I'm, I'm so happy. We clear the Texas and OU hurdle is because we just, spe- I just spent 17 minutes describing all of this stuff together that goes into this negotiation, right? Uh, the Pac 12 versus Big 12, right? Can you not crush the Pac 12, but make them a more comparable TV product to like, you know, an AAC almost because of the way you cripple the conference? You know, are, are you, you know, how many times are you going to go to market? Are you taking a short term hit? Is it worth it for that next time when you do go to market, right? This is all the stuff. That that the Big 12 ADs, the presidents, and Brett Yormark has to get as the there you go, the ice maker making some noise, uh, as you kind of move forward. But the good news is the Big Twelve is in a spot to ma- <laughs> the Big Twelve is in a spot to manage it and talk about it right now and and to charge forward with this and put new ideas out there, like Dewey Gonzaga as a basketball-only member, you know. Uh just This would be another example. I don't know they would just add Dallas Baptist as a baseball member only. You know, they're trying to find those you know, really good, you're just those singular sports schools and add them for some reasons. Like it's just stuff like that. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do, but I think Brett Yormark is hitting all of the right marks. No pun intended. I guess it has to be pun intended, but no pun intended. Like he's hitting all the benchmarks. And I know a lot of people cover these leagues, say stuff, but think about where they are right now. Who has a TV deal? The big 12, not the pac 12 who just, got that check cleared and didn't upset two television partners. The Big 12 just did that. Who can now focus on adding a Gonzaga already to the best basketball conference in the country? The Big 12 can do that right now. Who can now focus on maybe picking off upset athletic directors from, big, uh, from the Pac-12 and see what it's worth? The Big 12 can do that. They are now in a position now to have all of these conversations. The heat turns up on the Pac-12. And once again, guys, with each passing day, I have to believe the Big 12 is continuing to think about the overtures they should be making to these schools. And also, it's one more day where the Pac 12 loses television leverage. And I think at the end of the day, guys, the, where Brett Yormark probably has his sights set right now, it would not take me 20 minutes to get this, but let, let's be honest. I think his sights are set on Washington and Oregon. I would be too. If there's that much, because here's the thing every Pac uh, Big 10 school is going to get like $100 million a year. And I guess the Big Ten does not seem, feel, it's worth it right now to add Washington and Oregon, right? Uh, Maybe they're not deemed $100 million a year schools. Fine. I don't think there are a ton of those out there. They're and far between. Um, Oregon and Washington, to me, though, are, are worth probably a little bit more than the payout per year to, uh, you know, the the Big 12 and the Big 12 is getting. I think because of how strong their brands are. Washington is in a major television market in Seattle, Washington, massive city, right? They've got every single sports team except for basketball. They should have an NBA team, but it's a major sports city. And the Huskies are a huge part of that. It's a really good football program, right? Basketball has been up and down, but they've had some really good years and some bad years. Um, Oregon, I've said this a bunch. It is Nike's college football school. That is what the University of Oregon is. So to me I think that is two schools they should target. Now I think if they join the league they might not love it but next time television you know and, and let's just say they got a full share 32 33 million whatever it ends up being um, yeah it's a little bit down from I think what they expect to get but but if you add in the extra revenues in the end right tell you know ticketing bowl money uh, NCAA NCA tournament CFP appearances we're at 50 to 60. And once again, next time that TV, the TV conversations come around, they're in a great spot. So that's where I'm gunning. Or if they say no, then shoot for those four that feel like a more natural fit. Colorado is here before. Big 12 is out of the team in Utah. So and I, and I, once again, I do not think Utah as redundant. I'm not saying that. Utah is a public university in the state right? It is the flagship public university in that state. It is a great football tradition. Basketball is up and down, right? They've had some good players in the past, but it's been up and down. Arizona and Arizona state are two schools that fit in geographically and had pushed towards the West coast. And if you get those four and you add them to the big 12, then the next dominoes to fall could be Oregon and Washington. So that is something that we have to watch there. Okay. I just want to make that note as we kind of look forward um, on this. So as the winds shift, guys, things are shifting towards the Big 12's favor. I know I'm a Big 12 host. I know it's like, oh, of course you're gonna say that. But just think about where everything is mathematically. And I've maintained this. I've said that it sounds like the Pac-12 was gonna get a deal done. I'm not just saying that. When I speak to you know Andrew Marshand, who's been on the show of the New York Post, he is like the most foremost. He is the foremost person on sports business news. He and John O'Ran, who have a great podcast together. Both those guys seem to think that back 12 is going to get a TV deal done. I think folks in the media, Dennis Dodds of the world, Stuart Mandel's of the world, the Nicole Auerbachs of the world. Uh, those folks seem to think a TV deal is going to get done, but their skepticism has begun to raise, has begun to, to, I think, been been buoyed by this news that OU and Texas are out. The focus is pretty squarely now in the big 12 for more expansion, We know they've eyed them before. We know there's upset ADs. Why would the big 12 not try again? I think it's a very, very valid question. I think they should approach this and try this again. So that's where I am uh, on that front. All right, quick road to sponsors, and then we'll hit some hoops, news, and notes. Today's show is brought to you all by LinkedIn. If you or uh, someone you know needs to find a job, tell them to make their profile on LinkedIn and try to get hired. Or... If you are a hiring manager or you run a small business, the best place to find folks is LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find and hire the qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Once again, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so let's go through some of these results from the weekend, guys. But the big takeaway from Big 12 Hoops this weekend is this. There are now three teams. This is a three-horse race for the Big 12 Conference in 2023, in the 2022-2023 season. Texas is in first place. Kansas is right there. And Baylor is clearly on the track right now to becoming one of those teams. I pointed this out. I was a little early on the Baylor thing. And look, when you watch as much college basketball as I do, guys, I watch an unhealthy amount of college basketball. You can kind of see these trends coming. You can kind of see, if you look at the schedule, hmm, where is this good run going to come? For the, uh, you know, for these schools. Well, for Baylor, you could see it coming, I think, when the Big 12 SEC Challenge was coming. You saw that, okay, they had uh, they had at West Virginia, so that's after the K-State lost at home their own three. They get a great road win there. Oklahoma State at home was not very good back then. They beat them. You know, two Texas Tech at that point, Texas Tech was not very good. They beat them by seven. OU is in a middle league team right then. They beat them by two. So they're pulling out some tight games, close games. They get the big game against Kansas at home on Big Monday. They get the job done there, who's number nine in the country. Arkansas comes to them in a really weird game. They get that one done. They had to go to Texas. That was one of those where I mentioned schedule losses. They win there. Uh, or they lose that game, but by five. I thought the effort was was pretty impressive. They blow out OU. They pace themselves to get by Oklahoma, second half rally, and then they rally again to beat TCU. Is this Baylor team perfect? No. They are far from perfect. But guys, ever since that loss they took, ever since their third straight loss, they have won one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, wait, I'm miscount. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine nine of their last 10 games. All right, they've got a brutal stretch coming up. West Virginia at home, not too bad, at KU, at K-State, Texas. You want to talk about what will define their chances to win the Big 12 in basketball, it's that stretch there. But uh, I've said this last week, I'm going to revisit again with Robbie Triano this week. I am I'm not sold on this group as the 2019 or 2021 group, rather, I don't think Flagler, Crier, and George are as good as those guys. I think Teague, Butler, and Mitchell were a special special trio. I think this trio is pretty damn good too. But there's a big difference between like super special and what that group, you know, like that group had, and this. Maybe there's not. Maybe they catch the fire. Maybe they prove me wrong. Um, but right now, I mean, I, I guess they are proving wrong right now, right? They've won line of the last 10 of the toughest con- conference in the country. But come tournament time, there are some times the offense stalls, but there's no doubt adding Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. He doesn't want to be called JTT. He wants to be called by his name or everyday John. So I like to use JTT, but I will not use it because he doesn't like it. Uh, they've definitely They've definitely proven a lot here with the way they've rallied, right? And that was an awesome one yesterday. TCU, not knocking you all. Once again, I'm aware of the situation. No Mike Miles, uh, Eddie Lampkin in and out. The goal for them, just get those guys back around tournament time. Try to avoid the four or the five, right? Because if you're four or five, that means sweet 16 week, you're playing a one. Um, So I'd be careful there, but hopefully let's get those guys. I mean, the the big thing for them is they have to get those guys back and reacclimate it. It needs to look like that team they had in January. I'm not sure if they get, it's tough to do. It's tough to do. It's all I'm saying. But they've got good players. I think they can do it. Once again, folks, the first team that I said I thought could make the Final Four out of the Big 12 was TCU. That was the first team. It's a matter of getting those guys back and getting there. Seeding is just an added bonus at this point. The next team. Let's talk about Rodney Terry and his Texas Longhorns. Fantastic job that he has done. They lose the game against Kansas on Monday night. It was a pretty fun back-and-forth close game. I mentioned this yesterday. I tweeted this out. Uh, teams that play on big Monday, the, the you know, it's tough Saturday to, to, to Monday turnaround, but the teams that come off big Monday guys are seven and one, the only loss was Texas tech. And they had, uh, they played Baylor who also played on big, like, so the, both those teams played on big Monday and then they played, uh, you know, that, that, that following Saturday. So like, it really, you know, it doesn't really count. Uh, but big 12 teams, if they play somebody coming off big Monday that didn't play on big Monday, they're six and zero, oh, and they beat them usually pretty good. Um. And then Kansas also, you know, time to prepare as well. They go to Oklahoma and they kick their ass. They took care of business. That was really impressive the way Kansas did too. But Rodney Terry's group is not as great on the interior as I'd like, but they're tough. They keep fighting. They are first place in this league. And guess what, guys? We get to see them play the Baylor, both the Baylor Bears and the Kansas Jayhawks one more time the rest of the way. Iowa State, I want to hit on Iowa State really fast. Iowa State, guys. Just awful, just awful, awful, awful on the road recently, I feel like. At home, Hilton Magic has been their thing. I don't know what happened yesterday. I, I had one eye on that game. Uh, as part of my job, I also had to watch some Ar- the Arkansas game yesterday, too. Uh, so I had that one on. I, I, I had both games going at once. Um, It just seems like Mike Boyden has turned the toughness level up a, by 100, and they grinded out that win. And look, this is the problem with Iowa State's team is – their offense can just go cold. 35% from three, seven. Oh, excuse me, 32% from three, uh, 35 from the field. They had 12 turnovers yesterday, which is not a massive amount. Um, and then, you know, uh, yesterday I just thought the offense from, uh, from Oklahoma State was a, a bit more uh, effective in that game. And also they did a great job of, of cleaning the glass. I thought only limiting um, Iowa State to one offensive opportunity in that game. And they're fist fighting right now. But it's crazy to think, like, guys, Oklahoma State's two games out of first now. I think guess what, game and a half is seven and five? Or, yeah, two games out, two games out of first now, which is crazy. But Iowa State, to me, not fraudulent. I'm not going to use the word fraudulent because they're a damn good defensive team. They're a great defensive team. But I think we just know what their ceiling is because of their offense. I actually think a good comp for them is Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee's having this same problem because – In the big games, the big moments, it feels like we're not sure who their best player is, who their best scorer is. I think both of those teams are having those issues right now, no matter how dynamic their defense is. But in the end of the day, you need guys to make shots. And while Kausher and Holmes uh, are guys that can hit shots for you, it does not feel like it's the way that a a Marcus Carr, a Jalen Wilson, and Adam Flagler. It doesn't feel like it's that kind of level of shot making, despite the fact that Gabe Kausher... Has had a lot of clutch shots, but it feels like the creativity of making it for yourself is big. Um, so that's why it feels like it's those three. And also, I want to mention this, guys. I don't think Texas Tech makes a tournament, but they have a chance on Big Monday to beat Texas. That would make them 14 and 12, 4 and 10 in the league, but they would beat two top 15 days in a, uh, teams in a two-day stretch, which I think would make the tournament conversation fascinating. It would put them certainly not on the bubble, but like close to it. I and mean, you'd have to start talking about them uh, because you know, like that those are terrific wins. And they'd owed wins over Iowa State, they'd owe wins over Kansas State, they would owed wins over Texas. Uh, the problem is they are not winning many games away from home. They've not won any games away from home and they missed some of their chances. But it's not—it's not all the way over yet. Uh, and then they go to West Virginia, and then Oklahoma, and they have a TCU at KU and Oklahoma State. If they go, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. If they go four and two the rest of the way, that puts them at sixteen and twelve. And if they pick off the right wins, guys, it's—I don't—I'm not saying it's totally over yet. I'm not saying it's totally over yet. All right. If you if you win those two games in a forty-eight hour stretch, I think it has to put you back in the tournament conversation, right? I think it has to do that. The problem is, their non-conference is not full, uh, a chock full of all these like excellent wins for them. So that's a huge issue for them. Uh, anything else from the weekend? Just double checking now before we get out of here. Um, do, yeah, K State. Oh, this K State. man, they could have won that game. They could have won that game. They just didn't. Uh, but still, they've done a great job. They did a great job this season. But shout out Mike Boyden, man. Like shout out to him uh right now. All right, guys, that will do it uh for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at lobig Twelve. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors, underscore. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.